0: Primary care knowledge boost, sustainability, reducing our carbon footprint in general practice. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast today. Um, We have a little bit of a different episode for you. Um, We are speaking to Dr. David McKelvey who is a um, retired GP um, but who is still working as um, a lead in sustainability and primary care for Greater Manchester. Yeah it was fabulous to talk to him today
1: and I think everyone will get quite a lot out of this episode. Um, We first start talking about describing the problem and that leads us on then to talk about some of the easy wins um uh, the low-hanging fruit um so talking about prescribing um and then talking more about uh, um the 10-step plan that they've made in greater manchester which which i think is sort of rolled out in in several places as well and uh, just some ideas about how to get all of your staff engaged with this idea and and um how on earth you can start to tackle it and where do you start to put your efforts and and just a really practical um a practical viewpoint on on where to take things really
0: yeah exactly um and i think yeah what you'll maybe hear throughout is that there are some really good practical tips in this for um how to tackle such a huge um existential um problem really um, yeah. and um, hopefully people can actually take those away um and start to make a little bit of a difference um wherever you're working um, so we hope you enjoy
1: Okay. So if you do you mind introducing yourself again if that's okay, Dave?
2: Yes, hi. So I'm David McKelvey. I'm a GP by training. I'm now clinically retired, but I'm still working as the Greater Manchester clinical lead in primary care sustainability. Which is all a bit of a mouthful.
1: Lovely. <laughs> um so David, how did you get into this um realm of working?
2: I was born in Botswana. I grew up in South Africa, you might recognise. I've got a little bit of a South African twinge there. But um uh we we I, I trained in Manchester, but after training I went to Tanzania and worked there in the nineties for six six and a bit years and uh, there, you know, it's, it's very much you're aware of the, 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 impact of things outside the health center on, 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 on health, you know, whether the rains come. So whether you've got food, whether your house collapses, whether you've got ticks in the floor of your house and so on and so on. So you, your picture of health broadens. So you're much more aware of it. So when I came back to Britain, I actually went into public health training for a few years. Um, but I must say I missed patients. So I ended up doing a bit of general practice, but then I got involved with Salford CCG and it was there that we sort of myself and a colleague of mine, uh, we we sort of tried to push the environmental agenda within the CCG and, and that was well received and the CCG was really forward thinking and backing us with that, which is great. So that then spilled on and then stuff was going on at the, uh, at at then, you know, the Greater Manchester, um, uh, about the inhalers. And so I got sucked into that. And then I eventually ended up in this role. So that's where I am. I, and I've required, I retired from clinical practice largely, uh, you know, as a result of the climate crisis. I saw COP26, you know, the COP in Glasgow was just such a, you know, it's all this big fanfare, but just the sort of lack of progress. And I just felt that I've got to do more. So I've been involved in activism, but also feeling that I can still offer something in this role for a bit. So I'm able to go on with it for a bit longer. I have to have to retire after being out of clinical practice for two years. So I'll be relinquishing the job. So if you want my role, (laughs) look out for the job ad It's coming up (laughs) early next year
1: seems like a a shame not to keep such great and passionate people in the role just despite that
2: yeah but i think the passion uh, can go somewhere else i think you need you need to do the role it's really great to have clinical experience i think that is really important
1: yeah okay yeah uh, we got uh, in touch with you through Dr Joanna Bercher from GP Excellence and um she um she had recorded a webinar with you which was brilliant it was all about um sustainability in general practice and we'll link to that webinar um but can you take us through where we're up to with climate change and why it matters in healthcare just that small question <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh, I hope you don't mind if I sort of be a bit frank uh, so so um, and I'll also try and link it in with a, with a clinical analogy so uh, you, you know most uh, GPs or nurses are aware you know somebody walks through the door and you you think this is a metabolic syndrome walking through the door or a patient with a metabolic syndrome forgive me and um, you sort of uh, you know pop them on the scales and you get the blood test done. And you bring them back and you say look you've got you you know you've got metabolic syndrome this is a this is a precursor you're a sitting duck you need to do something about it you to prevent you moving into a disease you really need to do something mm-hmm. and then of course a few years down the line you notice the hba1c's crept up and they've now clicked into diagnosis so they've got a diagnosis of a disease diabetes and so You're then into the realm of mitigating the effects of that. How can you bring the cholesterol down? How can you keep him from getting, you know, knackered kidneys and so on? Uh, So you're into prevention. And then a few years down the chest pains start and so you get into the secondary effects and you get into these the problem then that you need to move from mitigation of these secondary effects into adapting and how to control this and getting the cardiac catheter done and the stents and all the rest so I, i you know linking that then to the climate crisis scientists have been telling us for years and decades about the climate crisis the sort of metabolic syndrome of of our climate if you want um, so, so uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher in nineteen seventy nine, she spoke to the United Nations and said, "We've got a problem with the climate crisis." Um, so it's going back a long, long time, and and indeed some of the uh, the fossil fuel industries knew about this a long time before that. So, so we've got this thing about the metabolic syndrome cooking there, and not much happening. Um, Johann Rockstrom he's a really cool guy he's he works in the Potsdam institute in um, germany uh, and he's defined uh, nine planetary boundaries about uh, where where we're overshooting our boundaries of safe planetary uh, uh, territory and so he's identified that we've crossed four of those nine planetary boundaries and i look on this as a diagnosis of disease we're now in a diseased planet because we are overshooting the planetary capacity uh, that's going on here um, So, you know, what happens then? Oh, we have all these big COP meetings. We have all those sort of things. And we set the targets. We've got these planetary boundaries. We must be zero carbon. Our government says by 2025. Of course, Kevin Anderson, the great climate scientist who's who's in Manchester, he says to actually... uh, be within our common budget, that needs to be down at the 2035, not 2050. But anyway, the, the, we've got these targets. Um, but the problem is, when you look at those targets, uh, then you, you sort of think, well, not much is happening. And then this year, we've seen the chest pains, you know, we've seen the floods. We've had people dying in Scotland, Uh, we've had people dying in Libya from flooding, we've had fires, we've had unprecedented ocean heating. Uh, Just recently in Mexico, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, there was this category five hurricane that built up over 12 hours. This is just, it went from virtually nothing to category five and wiped out buildings and, and people's lives. Because of the ocean temperature being so warm, it just whooshes up and suddenly you've got fire. So, so we're 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 now in the in the chest pain territory, and we need to, we're now thinking, oh goodness, we, we've got to keep doing the mitigation and keeping, you know, but we've got to do the adaption as well. So, so this is the this is the real challenging territory that that, that we're in now, and, and and you know, so so climate, uh, you know, we health impacts the health impacts are massive, we you know. We talk about the direct impacts of flooding and fires and so on. Um, I don't know if you saw in the BMJ, there was a picture of them uh, spraying for mosquitoes in Paris for dengue carrying mosquitoes, the tiger mosquitoes. So the, the mosquitoes have moved up from Southern Europe and are got as far as, 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 um, Paris now. And they're spraying there to stop dengue being, being a problem there. So we are seeing this change, these health impacts, mental health is going to be i think an absolutely horrendous issue as more and more mental health people it when it sinks in when you when the climate the reality of the climate crisis that this is this is a forever thing if this kicks in this is forever and then once for me certainly that's been a real problem of dev- going into this sort of grief and concern about what What? What's you know? How do I carry this? And for young people, that's even more so. So I I think we're 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 on we're on the threshold of real problems. Uh, And then there's the practicalities. Uh, So St Thomas's Hospital last year, their IT system cooked because it overheated. So the whole hospital uh, wasn't able to deliver uh, uh, you know decent care we've got concerns about supply chains uh, you know international supply chains if you've got a flood in china or india where some of our drugs you know or the bits of the drug come from then you've got real problems so it's so it's a challenge <laughs> i've got to say it's a real it's an enormous challenge that we're facing and healthcare is part of the problem five percent of global emissions are from healthcare indeed, and much the same in the u k and we are going to struggle with the impacts of it as well, so we're part of the problem and we're part of the the you know the we're going to be facing for some of the problems yeah sorry that was a bit of a bit that was a bit of a bilge sorry <laughs> no
1: i think it's it's the reality of it, and I think yeah an undeniable reality, yeah
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it was a really good orientation to get people into the right mindset for thinking about um, the next bits, which is maybe about what can be done um, within our realm at the minute. Um, So I know in the NHS long term plan um, for general practice it is to become carbon neutral by 2040. And you mentioned um, in the webinar, I think that green prescribing of inhalers is a good place to potentially target some of the efforts in general practice. Um, so do you mind talking us through why why that is and, and what the aim is there?
2: So the so the NHS has got this fabulous uh the, the greener NHS program, and, and I have to say it's it's brilliant. Okay. So we have we have again, we've set targets. So targets are 2040 for things within our control and 2045 for things in our supply chain chain. chain so so this is uh this is really great that the targets are there and that's then developing a bit of energy and there's a bit of you know a a little bit of money and enthusiasm going into that in 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 the background um so that's that's really um good and and then of course that spills over into general practice because general practice is about 25 percent of the carbon footprint of the nhs so we've got about a quarter of of that carbon impact. Clearly hospitals have got the made major chunk of, of the impact. But our 25% is still very significant. And uh, so if you count up inhalers and medicines, about half of that is the medicines that we prescribe. Uh, the rest is is other stuff like buildings and travel and so on. Um, so so it's our, we there are things within our control and there are things that are not so much in our control. Um, So things in our supply chain would be, for instance, you know, if we were prescribing somebody, uh, you know, some some simvastatin or whatever, you're prescribing a tablet, uh, you feel that that's appropriate, uh, but the, the, the carbon... That's embedded in that simvastatin. You've got no control over, in a way. But whether you prescribe simvastatin or atorvastatin, maybe down the line the NHS will be able to tell you which is more carbon efficient. Uh, But but, uh, as yet, we've not got there. So they'll be putting a price on it and the carbon in the future. Uh, My understanding is they're working on that now, but we don't know. I mean, inhalers—it's slightly different. But uh, so we could we could talk about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Please do talk about inhalers. Um, I'm interested in it.
2: The, the key issue with inhalers is the propellant gas that's in meter dose inhalers. So this is a hydrofluoroalkane. So, uh, that, that has got the carbon warming potential 1,300 times that of a CO2. Okay. So one molecule is the thousand times, the 1,300 times more potent uh, over a hundred year period than CO2. So they're, so they're really nasty stuff. Now we, we, of course, we're not, we're not, Overall, there's not much of it, but it is really potent. And the other thing about it is that it is really within our control, because we have an alternative. We don't need to use pressurized meter dose inhalers. Uh, for the majority of patients, we can use dry powder inhalers. So in Europe, seventy uh, percent of inhalers are now dry powder inhalers, whereas in England, seventy percent of them are still metadose dose inhalers. Mm-hmm. So, so we're we're we're. we're We've got into this hab- habitual use. Patients are used to it, and so we need a way of changing them out of it. Mm. So we had the, the PCN incentive scheme, which, which I have to say was excellent. I, um, so there, there were four targets there and the, the, the two targets were, were about inhaler choice, which was about your Saba inhalers trying to cut the, the mean carbon density of your Saba inhaler. Um, and then your, what's the proportion of your preventer inhalers that are dry powder? So that, so those were the inhaler choice, and then there were two about s- sub-overuse. So this is more about asthma care, working on quality care, so people who are overused having um, uh, you know, a six or more uh, vent- uh, sub-inhalers or not getting a regular steroid inhaler. So the so these targets were in, were in place, and we could look at the data. We've got the Tableau website that we've got in Greater Manchester is fantastic. Uh, our BI friends have been working hard on that, so we can track the the, the inhaler use, and the it, it's definitely made a difference. And you can see we we've taken the equivalent of three thousand cars off the road in Greater Manchester in terms of cutting the emissions in Greater Manchester. I mean, we've got an awful long way to go, but we've but it was working and. Um, and, and we could start to see this dint on the overuse of Saba because this is quality of care. If somebody's having extra Saba inhalers, they are not getting good care. Okay. They are reliant on Saba, which means they're more likely to be admitted. And if they're, if they're not getting a regular uh, preventer inhaler, they're more likely to die from asthma. And that's the bottom line of it. So we should be really encouraging patients to move. Yeah. So that's really uh, critical. Yeah.
0: I'm just going to um, highlight just a couple of acronyms while I remember because I've written them down you said BI just for people out there that don't know that would be business intelligence um uh, for anybody who doesn't know and then Saba obviously you're short acting B-diagonist
2: pulling me up on that <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all right I'm just trying to keep track um but yes David so what um uh, thinking about what practices have done so far and people out there perhaps listening to this thinking oh right well maybe we could actually do something about um these inhalers, do you have any tips or any advice about um, what people could be doing practically?
2: Yes, uh, so, so, so going back to the targets, it's really annoying uh, that the government pulled the targets. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was all political expediency of, of our government and wanting to focus on access rather than uh, the, these inhaler targets, which people were just getting into and working on. So, th- so that incentive is gone. So we're, we're down to the incentive of actually providing quality care now. And uh, we're trying to work on greater Manchester, see if there's other ways we can do a bit of incentivization and back up practices, initiatives to do this. So this is something we're, we're looking at. But of course, organizational changes has, has, has hampered sort of developing those uh, as quickly as we might. Anyway. So there are some practices who've really done well, and one one springs to mind. There's the, the, uh, where the GP registrar actually was really keen, uh, and he uh, he took it on board to get samples of dummy inhalers and to stick them on the front uh, of the desks, or uh, you know, eye level in front in front of a patient, sit, the doctor or nurse sitting on their desk, of the different kinds of dummy devices that they are using in the practice so that it's in people's mind and then he recruited his practice nurse and really got, got them on board and they have made a massive difference um so so it doesn't have to be you know a partner clearly some partner's enthusiasm behind that or a gp's enthusiasm supporting a practice nurse makes a massive difference that's that's one little thing that i think is really helpful And the other one, the other little trick that I think really is not well enough uh, understood is the use of the InCheck device. So the InCheck device is almost the reverse of a peak flow meter. it, It gives an idea of how well somebody can breathe inwards. So a a lot of people, you know, uh, certainly the experience of of a number of practice nurses is when you get them to breathe in and you can show them on the dial, look, you are breathing in so well, you would do better on a dry powder inhaler because you need good inspiratory effort for that. So once they see that, okay, you're not just changing me because it's good for some random environment out there. It's actually good for me. Uh, Then they get it. Yeah. Mm and and I think there are there are so many other benefits. You know, the inhaler is smaller. You don't need a spacer device. It's got a counter on it. It's uh, it's not. You don't have to get the click and the inspiration at the same time. So there's less coordination going on. Um, yeah. So it's a whole package of stuff that really is you know makes it a no brainer to me.
1: Yeah, I think that idea of um, showing people the the cars really does seem to sink in quite well when and you've got that kind of information leaflet in front of you to say look that's you know it's, it is it's greener and and personal experience of the inhalers really help, helps i find as well that um it's very strange going to a dry powder one because you can't really taste it massively like was like, is it working it's like my my asthma seems to be okay <laughs> so it's that kind of reassurance that you can offer to patients like it it is a bit of a different experience but it works and it's way better for the environment
2: yeah, yeah yeah and i think a lot of people used to use the old pressurized ones you know and it hits the back of the throat yeah. and the the clouds of f- fumes come out of their nose and they whoa this is good stuff yeah. but uh, but actually yeah you should not be aware yeah. you should not be aware of the drug going in
0: yeah yeah and uh, generally how are we how are we doing at achieving the the ems that are being set to us and the targets that are coming down
2: how big is the ambition gap? It's still very large. <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's a it, it's a challenge, isn't it? So the the so we have made an impact in Manchester. A lot of PCNs have taken the road of of moving from Ventolin and generic salbutamol onto salamol. So Ventolin has got a, a, a kilogram equivalent of uh, of CO two of twenty eight, uh, whereas salamol it's ten. A uh, dry powder it's less than one. So if you moved from Ventolin or generic salbutamol, because generic often gets dispensed as Ventolin. So when you move from Ventolin to salamol, you cut the carbon impact almost by two thirds. So a lot of PCNs actually did that. They got their local, their local pharmacists to do a switch program and switching people over. And on the data on 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 the, on the Tableau website, you can see it. This is a massive drop. And in fact, that's been done across the country. People have taken that on board, and that's made an impact, which is fantastic. Um, the 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 switch to to dry powder is a slower one, you know, and you can see some practices are really advocating this. They're really taking off, but it is a, it is a slower a journey because that you can't switch somebody there because it's a different inhaler technique. Yeah. If you're going to do that, it must be face to face and must involve demonstration of the technique. Yeah, yeah. You can use the new medicine service to get that reinforced at pharmacy. So if it's a new medicine, the pharmacist should offer the patient education about how to use the new medicine, And indeed, they should be advising the patient as well to return all used inhalers back to pharmacy. And that's not just the meter dose ones; it's all of them, uh, particularly the, uh, the meter dose ones, because there's spent, there's 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 gas left in those, and it needs to be properly disposed of. At the minute, that's incineration. But um, uh, you know, in the future, maybe we can get some more recycling on that. But it must be disposed of properly.
1: That's such a good point. I've got a few that I need to get rid of. Yes, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, And 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 and, and my understanding is some chemists say, "Oh no, we don't take those back." They all they are contractually obliged to take them back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we focused in on the greener prescribing of inhalers, but um, generally um, we know about the 10 step plan for general practice as, as a sort of overarching um, way of a framework for looking at greener practice. Can you talk us through the 10 step is that okay the yeah no,
2: i'd love step plan. to so 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 uh we we drew this up this 10 step plan trying to find an easy way of um of actually helping people work out how to start because to be honest when you're really really busy in general practice and you think oh my goodness climate crisis is massive what do i do about it i don't know where to start yeah okay. so this was very much a, a looking looking at how can we find an easy way in so, so really, it's um, it's broken down. Uh, so you can find it on the on the the primary care board website. We've got a sustainability page there, and there's the the ten step pro plan is is laid out there. Um, so just just sort of thinking thinking that through. Then, so the, the it's broken down into sections. As I say, the first section is really about talking about it here. Yeah? So, you know, we need to start bringing it out into the open because a lot of people are concerned, but they don't know how to bring it into their workplace and what to do about it. Yeah. So it's something about uh, saying, okay, we're together. A friend of mine um, in, in Cheshire was telling that talking about how she and a practice, they said, okay, we've got to do something about this. They started talking about it they formed a little group um, that then uh, went and did the carbon footprint of their practice and they worked out that oh you know what's going on there's lots of electricity being used at night and then they went around and found that the COVID fridge which was completely empty and the freezer that had the freezer blocks in it was on and then and it was completely useless. so they just switched it off and they were saving money already so so there's something about Getting together, set, forming a little team, talking about it, talking to your patients about it, etc. So talking about it is the is the first bit of it, the critical bit. Yeah. So the second second bit is around prescribing, and, and and a big bit of that is inhalers because that's thirteen percent inhalers of thirteen percent of GP practice carbon footprint. The, the, about forty seven percent then are, are, are other drugs. Um, so the de-prescribing is the big thing there, and and avoiding waste. Um, We're we're trying to work with medicines management, medicine management, of course, in Greater Manchester, trying to work out how they can save money and avoiding waste is the obvious one. But we're trying to see if we can bring that carbon impact into that as well and work with them so we've talked about talking about it prescribing then there's the, the business bit of general practice so the th- so that would be uh, about you know the travel about uh, the, you know the paper usage about uh, electricity gas etc so we've done some uh, some some fun uh, projects uh, in in that <laughs> recently so we got a bit of money uh, f- uh, from one of these big National pots. Uh, we got fifteen thousand pounds to do a travel survey. So we were working with Transport for Greater Manchester. Came up with a, a travel survey, uh, and and it was really interesting. So we 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 put it out across whole of primary care as a thing. You could if you did this travel survey, came up with a plan. We give you one hundred and forty pounds, I think it was, and then you could bid for money to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And I think we had 110 expressions of interest, and we were thought, wow, this is fantastic. Of course, then only about 40 did some of the survey, and then only about eight, uh, you know, submitted a plan, and only five actually submitted a bid to do something with a plan. So it's really interesting, isn't that? So there's a lot of goodwill out there, but it's actually moving that forward, so... So we're going back and we're reflecting on that and we're trying to work out how we can cut this down into a more manageable tr- chunk and trying to make this more sensible. But um, four practices have done that and have now moved on with that and said, okay, well, we need to do something. We need to provide a bike rack or we need to have lockers that our staff can put, you know, if they've walked into work, where do they put their, their, their stuff and so on. So it's trying to work out ways of doing that. But so, solar power is is another thing. So mm-hmm. So, you, you, you mentioned Joan Alberta uh, from, from GBX. So, she, she and her practice had a, had some, uh, money from, from that they wanted to put into that. And so, they got hold of an energy consultant. He went there, talked about doing some insulation, put some solar on the roof. And she's already noticed an impact on their bill, on the electricity bill. Mm-hmm. So, we're, we're currently working now on, on, on with with the council on adapting a a solar guide for general practice about how can you, you know, wh- what can you, what do you need to think about to put solar on your, mm. roof, uh, you know, are you suit, is it suitable? Brilliant. But 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 to be fair, in Salford we we did a project where we were looking at a bit uh, at a number of practices. Got, again, got a bit of money for an energy consultant to go around the practices, and um uh, and to identify low hanging fruit wins. Okay, so yeah. And this is, uh, I mean, it's really interesting. So some of the practices you went into, there's no insulation in the roof, okay? So, you know, it's a no-brainer. I mean, at home, you'd be going and checking your loft if you've got some insulation. So there's no insulation Mm -hmm. going on. Other practices. Um, it was the boiler controls. The boiler was running at the weekend. Uh, you know things like that. Very very simple things. Yeah. Changing the light bulbs to LED pays off very very quickly in terms of energy. So there are ways here that you save money uh, and and, but, but, and are easy to do. But we just need to uh, just pull back, make a bit of space, and using that. Uh, I mentioned that my, uh, that my friend Natasha used this this carbon there is an online conference tool that you can do uh, and um, it's in the 10-point plan there the link to it and um, the 10-step plan the it, and that looks at all your business use, and you can just put in, you know, like your bills for this, that, and the other, and it gives you an idea of where your carbon impact is. You know, so that can be a really good starting place for a simple thing to do. Yeah. Let me just finish on the, t- uh, the the ten steps. So yeah, we've got do. we've got a number. Of, got a, about three of them are talking are about talking about it. We've got two on prescribing. Yeah. Got about four on, on business, and then the last thing is about in your game and there are other ideas there about where to go next and there's a green impact for health toolkit which is this amazingly complex toolkit which has got lots of ideas that you can tick your way through and get various levels of award which is which is fantastic if you're if you're ready for that um uh, i know that some of my uh, some people in sheffield when the medical student has turned up at their practice and wondering what to do with the medical student they said well go and look on the toolkit and do one of those things for us so the student has gone away and done a project that's ticked one of the boxes um, which has been great
1: that's fabulous yeah and um, so yeah I'm it's a it's a great overarching theme and there's so much in there and um, are there other aspects about the topic of sort of um sustainability in general practice that you wanted to cover
2: the, one of the things that can, op, can be really helpful, you know, for people who are enthusiastic about doing this is, is, is being connected with other people, okay? So we talked about speaking about it within your practice, but the, we have got a Greater Manchester Greener Practice groups. So Greener Practices is this national organization connecting GP practices and helping to encourage Uh, you know the transition uh, to more sustainable gp but there is a greater manchester group and we would love to uh, have other members on that and 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 share share ideas there and share enthusiasm so that's that's very well yeah
1: important how do people get involved with that
2: yeah, so so if you go on the greener practice we- website, and again we'll put a link in the notes. But if you go to greener practice, uh, it, it'll take you to the Sheffield thing, and it's got local groups, and there's a link through to there, and then you'll get through to us. Yeah,
1: brilliant. Okay, fab. Yeah, so um, other elements of the of sustainability. I liked your expression of the low hanging fruit in terms of what we can do. Any other sort of top tips for people listening about what to get involved in, or other important elements of this? That you wanted to highlight
2: so so yeah so one of the things that's hidden is, is is like about banks so you know about which bank you bank with so some banks are more uh you, you know uh invest a lot more money into fossil fuels. So so in, in the UK, the Barclays Bank is one of the the heaviest investors in fossil fuels, whereas you get other banks and like uh Triodos and Nationwide which which are a lot greener in terms of their approach to fossil fuel investments. So um and and you know that that can be a way of of doing something that is relatively straightforward and, and hidden, but it's is is something that's worth thinking about. The the other thing is is getting a mindset of change and um this is this is something that i i i sort of wonder about where we will be going to in the future you know if if climate if the climate crisis does get worse and we struggle more with supply chains and the like and you know, if people don't do talk about the breakdown or you know potential breakdown of society. Well, what 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 is the future? What are we trying to get to? What is what would general practice be like in an ecological society? How you know what would it, how would we be be behaving and interacting with each other? Mm. And clearly, part of that, the you know, if I'm thinking of an ecological society, I'm thinking about how we relate to the nature, the natural world, in terms of you know fostering growth, biodiversity green and blue spaces, you know, cutting down on the pollution and so on. So we should be trying to work out how do we embody that now and how do we bring that into our practice now? So clearly green prescribing and all those that, that kind of stuff is so important. And I think we, we under, underestimate, under-evaluate the, the impact of that. Um, but how do we do that? And then connecting with other people is also really important as well. How do we create communities of trust, um, you know, networks of trust and interrelationship, that sort of social capital. Because that's what's going to give that cohesion for us longer term and going to give us a sustainability. So in general practice, how can we build into that now and make sure that we're doing that? And even embodying that in our own practices. So in other words, are we going or how are we going about our business going to visit patients so I mentioned the travel survey we did some practices were asking to buy an electric bike for their pa- doctors and nurses to go on visits on their bicycle mm-hmm. um, how are we encouraging patients to walk to the practice or to cycle etc how are we giving the facilities uh for staff to you know to 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 to, to yeah, change and so on and um, one of in our in our local green greater manchester green practice group was talking about in preston how uh, they do a walking challenge among the staff and they, uh, they you know they say okay this month guys we're going to uh, do the accumulated steps of walking from Land's End to John O'Groats. Okay, off we go. And they all tot up their steps that month. And they, they've, they as a practice, walked from Land's End to John O'Groats. And they've done a number of these. And it's and it's worked really well. And it's engaged the staff, it, all of the staff, in part of that journey about us seeing that health is about movement, is about, you know, cutting emissions, is about being uh, greener in your lifestyle. And then you can talk more confidently, yeah
1: yeah brilliant these are really good 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 points i think it's that turning that sort of existential crisis into something that we can be doing so channeling it and linking everyone together and yeah definitely really important
0: so i I was just going to ask you've mentioned quite a lot of um resources as as we've gone along but is there anything specific that you want to highlight for either clinicians or patients that's um useful to know and go away and have a look at
2: yeah so resources for clinicians i mean I, i i would i mean i keep Going on about our sustainability page on the primary care board website. And we've tried to put a number of links into that that get people started. Greener practice UK is, is, is a really, really great place as well. And that can, you know, lots of resources there, you know, stuff around inhalers is, it's really good on that, I must say. So, so those are, those are for, 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 for stuff I'd recommend. That's a good starting point for patients and indeed for us as in you know individuals um there's there's uh, Leeds University uh, had a look at what are the things that we as individuals can do and make changes in our lives and what are the most impactful things and they created this this program called Take the Jump um so if you go to takethejump.org you can see there about it and they've got about six things that they say are the most impactful things that you can do in your individual life yeah so i I, th- I think that's a really uh useful thing to have a look at and then you can encourage people to have a look at at that as well the the i i know that um you know diet is a big thing and we're, we're trying to look at uh great dimensions i've got a bit of a few gps and dietitians together and we're sort of trying to say well how can we give the right dietary advice to patients that is more environmentally sustainable um uh, uh, so that's something we're looking at and there's 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 a, there's plant-based health professionals which is for some people who are interested in that that's they they're really excellent they've got a lot of resources there so that's something that people might want to have a look at um, and and then uh, we sort of we sort of we feel bad that we're not doing more as individuals, and that we're. But the thing about it that is is that we need the framing within which we live to change, and 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 it's so it's lovely in Greater Manchester we've got Andy Burnham creating his B network, which is fantastic. So that that you know it's it's happening, is a bit slower than one might like, but it is happening. Where we will have a public transport system which can encourage patients to walk and cycle and use the public transport, etc. So that so we need that national and local government change to happen, and so uh, you know we need lobbying to happen, and that can be lobbying your IC, you know your locality. Uh, you know if you're in Wigan or Bolton or wherever, what's happening within the commissioning? What is in the incentive scheme? Are you incentivizing anything around sustainability to encourage practices? even at your PCN. How are we doing this at PCN? We need to work out how we as clinicians bring our best person forward into that situation, our best our best selves. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's how do we make change happen when it, the status quo is very, very difficult to move. And like you say, it's a national level. It's a it's an international level of, of change that we're looking for. We can do our bit, but how on earth do you get that to happen in any kind of timely fashion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really interesting and yeah. important. Yeah.
2: It is. And, and, and I think, you know, we, we're, we're left with you know, we need to face up to it as a reality, which I think is what a lot of people are now doing. There's something about actually taking it down and acknowledging the anxiety and grief that that might bring. So it's, it's about dealing with that grief, but saying, okay, well, I don't know the outcome. None of us know where this is going to go. But if we do nothing and we do we're all trapped in business as usual and if we go to work tomorrow morning and we don't do anything different yeah. business as usual is going to kill us uh, it was going to kill our children's futures for you know the next seven generations or beyond because it's a forever situation we're in so how do we maintain that service. Even though we don't know the outcome, we're gonna bring our best selves into that situation. We're gonna do what we can within those realms of individual, organizational and national level action.
0: Yeah, thanks for such a striking overview of this topic, David, it's been such a pleasure to chat to you. Um, We always ask our um, guest at the end um, what they want listeners to take away, what your top kind of one to three points are that you want people to remember from the chat.
2: So, so I, I think my top three points would be uh the, that the climate crisis is a health crisis and it's going to affect our health and our delivery of health care. So that's number one. Uh, number two is we can do something. And Um, certainly changing inhalers this is a primary care issue 97% of inhalers or 95% of inhalers are prescribed in primary care we are the only ones who can deal with inhalers so that's such a good starting point and we should really be working on our team doing that so it's a good so get started and then the third thing is to, to recognize that we need to move forward with this and to, to hold it in our hearts as, a, as an inspiration of moving into a new ecological world. So it's trying to sort of say, okay, that's my inspiration in life, I think. So those would be the three things I would say.
1: Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, David. This has been utterly enlightening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. so Lisa we recorded that episode on Tuesday wasn't it and now it's Friday so we've had a few days to let this settle in our minds really Um, what are your learning points
0: now I think it's just I think since Tuesday I've just been feeling the weight of the problem a little bit more than I had before and I've just become a little bit more conscious about things that I'm doing um, and thinking about how I can maybe start having an impact myself Um, yeah it's um which I know about it it's it's oh it's been around for a long time it's obviously quite prominent now um, both in kind of public life but also in our working life but I think this chat specifically about it for this length of time did make me think oh gosh it's it's a really big problem it's coming for us what can we do um so yeah I think that's the biggest takeaway that I had um did you have anything more specific (laughs)
1: No you're exactly right. I think it was that thing of like why is it always the elephant in the room? Um that we're just it's just so hard to prioritize. It does feel really overwhelming and um sometimes you feel really small with it. But then it's just yeah, it's going okay, okay, trying to sort of get through that wave of that feeling and then going, you know, even you know, what can we do? And linking in, I think that will be the really important thing. Um and just yeah everything that we can do to sort of I think there was a really nice bit we talked about I think off mic about just the tendril spreading and just creating waves of momentum and getting networks of people together and seeing what we can do I think that's really interesting like the resources on this will be really interesting where are the pots of money what can we do can we do solar you know you know as a PCN level those bits will make really big impacts as well as the prescribing which is yeah yeah, um, which was really good as well yeah so I think it's just like sort of yeah at the 10 point plan put starts with talking about it so I think it's that sort of stage really and it's bringing this back to practice and going okay let's talk about this I know our practice nurse is phenomenal with inhaler prescribing
0: um so yeah it's just kind of following that up really yeah yeah no I think that's the thing because you can feel quite individual about it and you think well what's the point well, if I do something like what kind of changes are gonna make. But if everybody's thinking that way, then we're never gonna do anything. So yeah, hopefully this um chat has spurred on a good number of people and you can think that maybe you're not alone out there and actually there are gonna be people that are out there doing things. And like you said, the networks, the chatting to each other, the being able to source um the the funding um to be able to do things, I think is just really important. And we like he was he laid out pretty starkly how much of a problem the NHS is in terms of emissions. Um yeah. and if you think of it the other way, how much of an impact we can make if we can reduce those um so yeah there is it's it's definitely something that um that can have a huge huge difference um if people start doing something it's just a little bit wider than what we're normally used to dealing with
1: yeah absolutely yeah i think it was yeah it really interesting we know that general practice can flex quicker than hospitals might necessarily be able so it would be really interesting and be interesting to get feedback and and link up those connections further so please anyone that does want to get in touch about projects that they've been involved in or wanting to just check out the resources please please do we'll we'll leave a fairly comprehensive list david has given us a decent list um so thank you to everyone who listened and thank you to david as well um, and yeah we'll leave our contact details on the episode description as usual and as well as the survey which uh, we're really thankful for people to for filling in till next time i'm primary care knowledge based This podcast has been able to continue to date due to the support of GP Excellence, Borough CCG, Greater Manchester Training Hub and the GP
0: Fellowship Programme, as well as Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership. Just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public.
1: They were recorded in 2023. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before
0: making treatment decisions. The content is based on our interviewees, opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast.